politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And yes, this is your one-stop shop of independent conservative talk. Daniel Horowitz in the house for you, the forgotten American taxpayer, the forgotten American worker, the forgotten plain American who is now beleaguered and besieged by our government in this very, very dark period of time in our history, perhaps in some ways the darkest time in our history. It's funny, I was always called the prophet of woe and lamentation, the prince of darkness, but I think now we're all in the same boat. <laughs> and if anything, you know, we're going to try to give some up, uplifting, forward-looking, forward-thinking uh, approaches here. Um, but that begins with understanding the grimness of the situation we're in. You know, I planned on <clears throat> spending the next number of days and weeks discussing on how to rebuild America and the fact that the left is going to rebuild America in their image. And we need to seize the opportunities to do the other way. There is a massive reset button that is going to be pressed that already has been pressed. And all of the things that we couldn't do until until now and the time calls for them, we need to do them. And we're going to continue talking about that. But there's more of an immediate problem. And when I say immediate, I mean in the next week or two. The next week or two. And that is. It's, it's not even a matter of fiscal policy, welfare, spending, debt healthcare it's something so much more fundamental this is our flight 93 moment yes my friends i am telling you it is time to panic but not panic over the virus as serious as it is and i do believe it's serious but as we talked about yesterday it has to be put in its right perspective and context but I mean, it's time to panic because of where the government is headed on all levels. And if we don't stand up and do something about it, all of this doesn't matter. The infringement upon liberty, the declaration of complete warfare on our movement, on business, which, as we're going to talk about, is not just the economy, but it's the future of human lives every bit as much as a virus and certainly this particular virus it's even more than the virus if we don't change the trajectory meaning not to say that immediately before this is over with we're going to go back to having massive sporting events and things like that no but to try to ease back to the first few days of this you know not last week or the beginning of last week, the late in the previous week, that balance to properly weigh and, and target the right quarantines for the right people in the right areas against the need to get as many Americans working again. We have no choice because otherwise everything we're talking about with this $1.8 trillion spending bill, which is just the beginning. I mean, it's going more and more, and we've already spent several hundred billion. It will be wasted in a second. It will go in a black hole. There's nothing to, for it to latch onto. There's nothing to do. You cannot logistically have a life like this. 
we agreed. All right. You know, let, let's make sure we stop the spreading. Let's let's study what's going on initially. But then they clamped down more and more and more. And this is what we have to talk about. The duration and the severity. That is the key. The focus of our government it needs not to be about fiscal policy. Extend unemployment benefits, things like that. They've already, you know, had their paying companies now in advance to pay for the paid leave. So that short term is taken care of. No matter what people are feeling pain, there's nothing you can do. You have to get people back working. The goal has to be to do that. And here's the good news. It has become abundantly clear that Donald Trump, the president of the United States, is seeing what you and I are seeing. He's seeing the data about the virus that that one study was wrong. And by the way, Jordan Schachtel, who was on the show yesterday, if you haven't heard it, it's episode 606. It's a must listen to a show. Follow his Twitter feed at Schachtel Jordan. He's doing tremendous uh, investigations into this. And he found this very guy just admitted that he built this model 13 years ago. Nothing to do with coronavirus. It's such bull. It's such bull. So I have an article out today really going through a lot of what we talked about yesterday, but I put it pen to paper. When did coronavirus come to the U.S. and why it matters? In terms of determining the severity and how far along we are in the curve and what we need to do. That needs to be the discussion. Data, transparency, balance, balance, balance. The problem that's going on right now is that there is no regard to even strive for something better and even recognize what they're doing. Recognize the severity to individual liberty. Recognize the severity to the economy and wealth and mental health, but also recognize the severity of lives. People don't understand it. It's not even the Great Depression. It's a logistical problem that the Great Depression didn't have. Coronavirus patients aren't the only sick people around. You can't go like a nut for one thing. That's already the equivalent of saying, I'm not going to drive. I'm going to shut down you know, driving because 36,000 people a year die horrifically from car accidents. There are certain things you just can't do. And that's the problem. They're, they're consistently getting harsher and harsher, shutting down more businesses, even when they don't engender public gatherings. Again, we're not saying to go back to normal immediately. We're saying that we need answers about the basic data of what is going on with the virus and then determine what needs to be done and have a balance of as many people going back, quarantine the right people in the right areas, go outside. Government then will need to provide and fund more masks and gloves like what South Korea did. And you got to go on with life because otherwise on net, more people will die. You cannot even begin to imagine what they're creating with this. We're only a week and a half into it and fine. 
But they're talking about months. How could Ralph Northam, the blackface governor of um, Virginia, say right now I'm canceling school? Until the end of the year. Do you know how devastating that is? Forget about education. No one learns anything anyway. <laughs> I'm talking about that's a death sentence for for workers. Now, if that's God's will and we ultimately get to that point, we ultimately get to that point. But why why strive for it? Take it a week at a time. This is what I don't understand. They, they talk about prudence, but it's clear it's not. It's clear it's not from the duration and the severity and that they're not even trying anything better. They're not even questioning the data when the data says the opposite of what they're saying. They're letting out criminals from jail while putting us under house arrest. They're saying they care about American workers enough to redistribute wealth, but they don't care about it in the sense that Pelosi's bill will extend worker permits for 100,000 foreign workers. And I have a piece out on that today, that Trump could suspend the H-1B visa lottery, which is set to take place on April 1st. That needs to be done. Call the White House, Google it. I don't have the number on me, the switchboard. Trump needs to end the H-1B visa. It is indefensible under anyone's conception of immigration policy at a time like this to have foreign workers. It makes no sense. But anyway, that's what I'm telling you. They, they shrouded all in this. Oh, you got to save lives. So there's this whole pro-life argument. But it's balance. I have an aunt who was just diagnosed with, with serious colon cancer. And we, we were scared it was uh, stage four. Thank God it looks like it's stage three. But it's, it's still very serious at that age. I mean, the, it's a long haul. The surgery, the plumbing. I don't know. You know, do they put in a J, a J patch or something? I'm, I'm assuming they could hopefully repair her plumbing and how that's going to work. But uh, the chemo, the radiation. She's a widow because my uncle literally, I mean, he died at 39. He just didn't wake up one morning. Uh, she found him in bed, just didn't wake up. Um, many, many years ago when I was a kid. She's a widow. Um, she doesn't drive. She never has driven, doesn't have a license. And she had, she had some friends there at least. And one was a doctor. Cause it's important. Someone who knows, you know, knows the information to ask the right questions of the doctor. So she went with her and now nobody could go with her. She's alone. No one could drive her. My cousin, her son was trying to get there is having a hard time. Think about people like that. Cancer patients, heart patients. I mean, they're destroying health. And my father, you know, I was talking to you about the sciatica diagnosis. It, it, it turns out it's not sciatica. A chip of one of the bones in the lower back broke off. And that that's what was pressing against the nerve. So they have to just remove those, um, those pieces. They don't have to do anything else. Um, but I mean, first of all, it took weeks to get a diagnosis because of our healthcare is a dumpster fire with insurance controlling healthcare. But he had a very hard time getting an appointment. And it, it, it's not because they're booked. They're not the opposite. Any doctor that's not dealing with emergency care or whatever, they're actually begging for work. My sister is a friend who's a urologist. I used him for my kidney stone. The guy's like, like we're, we're going to close. So it's not just like construction and 
or other, I mean, it's, it's, you, you know, you know, urologists do very well. They're, they're pretty wealthy, um, pretty, pretty high paid, but they, I mean, they're going to close too. Everyone's going to close. So it's not just the economy, it's lives. It's the other medical care that we're forgetting. We can't even begin to imagine. Certainly people are talking about the suicides, the mental health. I mean, the kids, I mean, my kids are, I don't, I'm, I'm just like, there are times I feel like throwing them out the window. It's very difficult to have three boys fighting all day, um, trying to work. You, you can't do this indefinitely. Okay, you have to strive for better. So Donald Trump is 100% correct. But as always, Trump needs a movement to grow up around him to create that counter pressure and counter narrative. Not focus on Teletubby stupidity. So all yesterday, this is what bothered me. All yesterday, the focus of conservative media was, see, see, the Democrats are trying to block. The Republicans want to spend money and help families and Democrats are putting extraneous matter. And it's not that it wasn't true, but it's not the point. Here's the deal. The Republican Party is acquiescing and acceding to the premise on the data of coronavirus that it's engendering a need to do this indefinitely. And therefore, we need to spend trillions of dollars that aren't going to help anyway. And Democrats want to do the same thing, albeit they want to put in their global warming and early voting, cheating voting, all their, you know, all their wish list of things. But fundamentally, Republicans agreed to their premise. So they lost the argument. I don't blame Pelosi. Republicans are giving them everything they want without pushing massive deregulation, immigration restrictions, supply chain stuff, rebuilding American labor, you know, things like that. Having the right balance, that it needs to be the focus. So Democrats figured, heck, you know, this is a free-for-all. We can get anything we want. We may as well do it. You have the White House pushing jailbreak. But that's not the point. The point is, should we be doing this? And, and some of my colleagues are starting to push back on this, which is good. You can't talk about this forever. And this is why we have to know when the curves started. When did the curve start? What is that denominator? As of now, with a fraction of the pool likely tested, New York City's death rate, when New York is bad, is 0.75. Now, again, that, that is more lethal than, than H1N1. But it's not what they were talking about. And you got to weigh it. And, and this if we could save one life argument is crap. They're now trying to make us feel guilty. Some of the, the left and the virtue signaling Teletubby phony, you know, airhead. Um, click conservatives Are saying, oh, it's not pro-life. I got news for you, schmuckies. Those deaths were baked into the cake already. The minute because of the climate in this country that you guys created that it was too taboo for Trump to push a travel ban when he should have done it. The minute we let that in, we had flights back from Wuhan. Thousands, tens of thousands of, of Chinese students coming back in mid-January. 
that's how it was brought in. And we know one case, the first known case, which clearly is not the first case. First known case, January 21st, identified from travel January 15th. Doesn't say it's a student, but that's exactly the date they would have been coming back from Wuhan to Spokane, Washington. Now, I don't know how many of the foreign students from China are from Wuhan, but I will tell you this. We ha- it's enough that we have a consulate in Wuhan. It's not Shanghai and Beijing, but it's enough we have a consulate there. So I have a press inquiry into a State Department if they can give me monthly or annual data of visa issuance by the, by consulate. But remember, you know, we have 3.4 million travelers from China a year. You divide that by six, the two months between when, when the virus was there and when um, Trump uh, shut it off or no, even, even that they even had a monicum of screening on January 17th was you divide that by six, it's almost, that's almost 600,000 people. And that doesn't include American travelers going back and forth. So do, I, what do you want from me? Yeah, under my system, we would have kept out a lot more of this. But under your stupid open border system, that is baked. It's in the country. There's nothing we can do. This is all feeding from before. Everyone knows that. We had it in January and February. And remember, we've had 7.7% death rates from the flu and pneumonia some weeks. You've got to put it in perspective. I'm not saying there's not an element of this that it's more uncertain, maybe more contagious than some other strains. Hence, what we've already done. But in terms of the duration, the severity, you've got to weigh it because you've got to look on net. Look, I've made this argument so many times with illegal immigration, a pro-life argument, how many lives that you could save. But there, it doesn't cost us anything because they're not entitled to be here. It's not a vital job of government to have illegal immigration. In fact, it's a, it's a vital job of government to prevent it, even if they're not killing people. So for free, just get them out of the country and you're saving lives. Done. The equivalent of what they're doing is if I would say, you know what, illegal immigration is such a problem. We're going to abolish all police in this entire country. NYPD, LAPD, Chicago PD, Miami PD, everyone, everything. And we're going to marshal them towards ICE, uh, towards, uh, you know, immigration removal. Well, then you'd say, well, Daniel, I, I, I understand you. You make a strong case that, you know, twenty five hundred homicides a year from at least known homicides from uh, illegal aliens, not including the vehicular manslaughter, which is likely, um, you know, thousands more. But dude, you know, what what happens to all the other criminals and murderers and whatever? You know, you're not going to have police left. You, you got to deal with them. It's the same thing happening now. It's important. You deal with it. But the way to deal with it is the money spent needs to not be about long-term bailouts of course we're gonna have to do things you gotta compensate people for the shutdown we understand that but the more important thing now is that and and some of it is in the gop bill it's not like they don't have any elements of it i'm not saying they don't but you have to have a surge of production materials get the deal with the healthcare problem treat it 
treat it, cure it, address it, quarantine it. That's where the money needs to be spent. Not on indiscriminately sending out checks, including to people like myself, who, who, you know, I thank God every day, I'm still working. And that's the way you both limit it. You have more masks, do what South Korea did, and get as many people back to work as possible. That is the way you save lives. Public policy is a net. You don't understand. I mean, there are decisions a president has to make every day that will affect lives, who will live and who will die. But you got, but here's the deal. It's when you do abnormal things that you have no right to do to make people die. You can't say I'm going to stop normal things to save lives. Again, within reason, within reason, none of us are saying to immediately go back to 100%. None of us are saying that. But we need to take our government back. One thing I propose, and I'm trying to get someone to introduce it, is a bill that would cut off all salaries to members of Congress and high-ranking officials like Fossey in the executive branch until our economy is moving at a certain benchmark. And, and, and the, the profundity of that idea is, is this. Right now, there is no balancing whatsoever. We're, we're riding into one guardrail without concern to the other guardrail. Like, I don't want to go into the left guardrail, so I'm just going to crash into the other guardrail. Well, I'm scared of invading the cockpit because maybe the plane will go down. It's going to go down anyway. You got to stop that. Right now, it's this quarantine shaming, this virtue signaling to the extreme where everyone is performing an audience in front of the media rather than doing what's prudent. This would not have been done without social media. It's got to be a balance of prudence. This is the discussion we need. Not how much threshold of checks set down, this type of loan, this type of thing. There's nothing to work. You're shutting people down. Open it up and then we'll talk about that. Right now, it's more. I'm not saying like, oh, you know, it's not warranted. I'm saying it's more severe than that. So why flush the money down the toilet? Save it. For when it will have some sort of effect. The other thing that needs to happen. And we need to call on this and Republican governors need to lead by example. And we need legislatures to convene to, to start promoting this. Is we need to start. At least respecting liberty. This is the problem. The other side is not even recognizing the gravity of what they're doing to liberty. It's like a free for all, like no circumspection. I've said long ago, the broad powers to quarantine. But again, the severity and the duration weighed against what we have in front of us has got to be balanced. So what I'm calling for is if a governor wants to have I'm shutting down businesses, you can't say I'm shutting down businesses. Say seven days. Here's the benchmarks I want to see. I'm going to come back to you in seven days and uh, I'm, I'm going to issue a report. Show your work. 
Give time limits. If you need to extend them, extend them. But you got to have some transparency. This is becoming very dark. That's what needs to happen. That is the pro-life way of approaching this. This is our Flight 93 moment. And we can't have click servitism. I was joking around with a friend. It would be like, you know, you, you, you have a plane going down. You have hijackers got it. And they're trying to formulate a plane to stop the immediate death. Because that's what they're doing right now to us. If this is not shut off. Or like, hey, uh, that's a good looking flight attendant there. Hey, that's a, I mean, that's what conservative media is doing. I don't care about that stuff. Stop with the, the, the political talking points. Oh, the Democrats are are they're, they're holding up aid to the people. But but the Republicans approach is, is, is almost as bad, just minus the provisions the Democrats wanted in there. What we should be debating is what is the data? When did this start? Because again, if it's inconceivable, it didn't start in January, if not December. We know there were cases, we just weren't testing. So if millions of people got it already, that's a very different story than saying somehow like started March 5th, with, which again, everyone knows it didn't. That's when we were testing. And with so much of the government relying on literally one Soros type of study, that there are so many problems with it. We got to ask questions. You cannot do something this severe, this indefinitely, and be that adamant about not even striving to balance it without answering more questions about what it is you are looking at, what data you're looking at. Stop with the talking points. Lock down the economy, let out the criminals, bring in foreign workers, don't push deregulation, don't push any of the 15 ideas I have, and there's so many other good ideas out there. Just straight up bailouts and handouts. And again, to a certain extent, certain people deserve to be compensated. This is a different situation. I know that. But that's the entire GOP focus. It's like, this is a classic thing. This is what's happening. Democrats rape our country. Republicans agree to 99% of the premise and they fight like cats and dogs over the last remaining percentage. And then you have click servitism, like, you know, doing the color war chanting and cheerleading over that 1%. You got to look at the antecedent to this problem. This is going too far too quickly. It's shut down. You know, part of the problem was it's very hard to go from 100 to zero. You know, people have to realize this is real and they're acting normally. That memo has gone out. People are scared enough on their own. You got to try to enable people who can to have businesses with the right guidelines. I mean, based on the liberty problems we have now and the people that will die from something that will make that Great Depression look like nothing. Again, I have to pinch myself to realize it's not even a dream. We cannot even wrap our arms around 
what what we are creating now. For all that, it would be easier if government would just mandate, you know, you go out to any indoor place of work or store, you have to wear gloves and a mask and government will obviously provide that. That needs to be the focus. If, if you know, whatever it takes, what you cannot do is what we're doing now. Which is what the people on Flight 93 realized. Michael Anton wrote this famous essay, The Flight 93 Election. I told you at the time that I agreed with the broad sentiment. I just didn't agree with the way it was applied because I didn't think it was a like three second plane crash. I thought, you know, my my view is that the way the country, at least until now, was headed was more of a gradual decline. It's not any one election. We need to be doing a lot of things. It's not just electing Trump. And I was right about that. But his broader sentiment is true. But this case, it really is applicable. The coming days and, you know, within the next seven to 14 days, we've got to turn this around to create a better balance. It's got to warrant it. You know, again, again, 30 to 70,000 people die a year from, from the flu. You cannot deny that if you would impose these measures, fewer people would die. You cannot deny that. But obviously, we don't do that because you can't stop something that needs to be done and is normal to save people to that extent. You could stop things that shouldn't be done, like illegal immigration, like crime. You got to clamp down on that. But you can't say, like, you can't breathe outside, you can't live, you can't drive a car because it will kill people. Again, I'm not one of those that thinks this is nothing but the flu. As of now, the death rates are, at least from what we can see, higher than H1N1 to some degree. It could be if we literally were able to test every single person and then have the enumerator of deaths to that denominator, it could be it would wind up being down to 0.02. But right now it isn't. But but it's not like what they were warning about, which is what spawned this whole thing. That's our point here. We need leaders and statesmen. And again, the president clearly is seeing this loud and clear. We have to make sure it's consistent and we have to push out some of these a-holes in the administration that are pushing him the other way. I mean, Dane County, Wisconsin now has a website, literally quarantine shaming, reporting people. Imagine if we had a website like this for illegal aliens who have no right to be here. Have no right to be here. But again, speaking of immigration, for all those virtue signaling over saving one life, where were they when I was doing this? You are my witness. When we could have shut off all international travel. Oh, you can't do that. Can't do that. That would have saved it. It is scary. You see more people dying. Five more. I'm seeing now the Arizona governor is announcing there's five deaths in Arizona. Five. I mean, dude, in Montgomery County, Maryland, every day more people are killed from MS-13 that are released by um, 
by these clowns. And, and again, I'm not saying it's not bad. It is bad. That's why I called for a shutoff. But we let it in. So it's baked. That's what I'm saying. There's nothing more we could do as a nation at this point. You do the distancing, you do that stuff, you, you, we, you know, cancel Major League Baseball and the big events and things like that. And, and no matter what, there's going to be a gaping hole in the economy. But there's a difference between a gaping hole and a nuclear winter. And that's what we need to understand. Someone needs to show to me the value add of going from the distancing to a nuclear winter indefinitely weighed against the deaths that that will cause. Because we don't have evidence it's going to stop that because you have to know, is this all from the curve from when we were doing nothing and it had this festering for so many months? <clears throat> See, they keep seeing deaths. They're like, we need to do more. Close this. You know what? Close this. You know what? Go in your home. You know what? Put a duct tape on your mouth and die. You know what? Dude, like, whoa. I mean, you got to wait. You're not going to see results from that because that was baked already. It's sad. But but you have to have some sort of perspective here. Some sort of balance. In New Jersey, NJ.com. Those who violate NJ lockdown orders to be prosecuted, officials say the time for warning is over. Consider this your final warning, said Attorney General Gerber Grewal. There will be serious legal consequences. How are we supposed to take this great affection for humanity and life? Save one life. Seriously. If these same same SOBs are letting go criminals and saying they're not prosecuting them. How are we supposed to take that? that? That's what I mean. This is all political. This is a pure hell. This is the worst mix of economic freeze, anarchism, and fascism in one. This is Venezuela. You can't do that. You cannot do that. That is not an option. You will die if that plane goes down. We need to storm that cockpit. We need to get together, organize my Facebook page, Facebook fan page. It's not really mine. It's actually run by a group of our fans. I don't post there, um, you know, but uh, it certainly is something I will help promote. Hurwitz Citizen Sanctuary. Let's go get together ideas and push some of these ideas. We need a voice. Until they shut that down, too. I mean, at this pace, I really wouldn't be surprised if they say anyone who's a denier of our lockdown is a public threat and they'll shut down your platform. I mean, we've seen that already with the you know, platforms decoupling. Or deplatforming people, certain articles were taken down. This is very dangerous, very, very dark. This is not what God wants. Obviously, he wants us to pray, to repent, to take this seriously. But this has gone too far. And they're, they're just, the thing is, you got to look at the trajectory. They're just beginning. Then you have this story 
for all of our uh, virtue signalers out there. No one else is reporting this. Thank you. And I forget who you are, but one of our listeners tweeted me this on Twitter. I would not have seen it without you. And that's why it's so important. You guys share these stories in the comments at Harwood Citizen Sanctuary Facebook page. And we'll put this stuff up or, you know, there's a send email function there. You could send to some of our um, some of our captains that are running this. And they'll get out these ideas. Parolee released early due to COVID-19 breaks into house, threatens woman with a knife, police say. A man recently released from a halfway house early because of concerns over the spread of COVID-19 has been charged with breaking into a random home, tying up a woman at knife point and threatening to kill her. Happened uh, March 19 in American Fork. Joshua J. Haskell, 42 of American Fork, forcibly entered a home using a large serrated knife. He threatened the homeowner and tied her up with shoelaces. The woman told police that she was sleeping when she woke up to the sound of creaking stairs and discovered a man she had never seen before standing in her room holding a knife raised toward his head with the knife pointing down. The victim began screaming and yelling, at which point the male told her to be quiet or he was going to cut her head off. Haskell tied up the woman's wrists and ankles with shoelaces. He told her he was uh, taking her bank cards, cash, her car, and her PIN numbers, and that if she gave him the wrong numbers, he would return and kill her. Um... After realizing police were downstairs, Haskell got into bed with the woman and told her to tell them he was her lover. The affidavit states when Haskell moved the sheets to make it look like he was sleeping, the woman got out of the bed and ran. She ran downstairs to the officers in a panicked and horrified manner. Police then arrested Haskell at gunpoint. Um, Haskell, who police say, by the way, had drugs and drug paraphernalia on him at the time of the incident was previously convicted on drug-related crimes at least four other times. Every time, the low-level offenders, this is what they do. I'm sick of it. Sick of it. Haskell was recently incarcerated after previously being released on parole and committing a parole violation. He was released March 17th, under the corona jailbreak. Where is our voice? This is why I need you guys to call the White House and say no jailbreak at a federal level. Absolutely disgusting. And folks, these stories happen every day. I wouldn't have known of this if not for um, one of our listeners that sent this to me. Undoubtedly, there's more of this because that's human nature. That is the nature of criminals. That's the nature of the overwhelming majority of those locked up on drug charges, because those locked up on drug charges, by definition, are the ones that are really bad because otherwise they're diverted to drug courts. They don't serve time anymore. So that's what that. Folks, we cannot have this. We cannot have this going on any, 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 any longer. John Adams wrote in a dissertation, 1765, Liberty must at all hazards be supported. 
we have a right to it derived from our maker. But if we had not, our fathers have earned and bought it for us at the expense of their ease, their estates, their pleasure, and their blood. You know, it's funny. Where are all the libertarians that are so into liberty when it comes to criminals and illegal aliens? They call me like a fascist, you know, being so tough on law and order. But it's little, little old me is the last man standing here for, for, for liberty. They don't have problems with it. In fact, there's one piece of garbage at Cato that keeps trolling me on Twitter, somehow making fun out of what I'm doing, which I don't understand. Like, I thought you were a libertarian. I thought you would agree that this is draconian. We're not even talking about immigration with this. But no, that's, that's where they're headed. Because when you don't support the proper role of government in protecting order, then you don't support liberty either. It has to be the right happy medium. Everything in policy is the right happy medium. If this goes on far enough and they don't pre pre present us with evidence that it's necessary, I firmly believe it is Donald Trump's prerogative and a responsibility to arrest these governors, these Democrat governors. <clears throat> Let me tell you something. We're all big into states in general need to have more power than they have had until recently. But the door swings both ways. The same way states need to be a vanguard against federal encroachment. The federal government was also created to stop state tyranny. I mean, that was the whole thing. States were tariffing each other and taxing each other. That's part of why the Articles of Confederation didn't work. There were things the federal government needed to do, ironically, to prevent chaos and tyranny. What do you think civil rights were? We basically destroyed state powers, let's face it, because of the whole civil rights. That, that, that was the downgrade of states. But I think we all agree that if you know, states in the South were taking away unalienable rights of blacks, that the federal government had a role to step in and stop it. Now they're taking away everyone's liberty. And without balance and transparency and data and justification and time limits, it's got to have some sort of balance. Judge Timothy Farrar, he was Daniel Webster's law partner. He wrote the first post-14th Amendment constitutional um, analysis. Manual of the Constitution of the United States of America was published in Boston in 1867. Quote, the states are recognized as governments and when their own constitutions permit, may do as they please, provided they do not interfere with the Constitution and the laws of the United States or with the civil or natural rights of the people recognized thereby and held in conformity to them. The right of every person to life, liberty, and property, to keep and bear arms, to the writ of habeas corpus, to trial by jury, and divers <coughs> others are recognized by and held under the Constitution of the United States and cannot be infringed by individuals or even by government itself. So look, I'm very much for the fact that, you know, you can't come crying to the courts of every state policy you don't like. States have wide latitude to do a lot more than federal government can do, but they cannot indefinitely detain you with, without showing your work. I mean, this is the thing. Every lawful power of Trump to, 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 to use sovereignty, to say, look, I'm not letting in Iranians like, dude, we're practically at war with Iran. Show me your work. Had you arrive at that? 
Show me your disclosure. Show me all your advisors and lawyers. What were they telling you? Show show me your work. And yet here, no questions asked. Why every county in California needs a lockdown to this degree. Why that's going to help. No balancing tests from the courts. Isn't that interesting? Folks, this is headed to a very dark place. We are our only advocates. We all need to step up to the plate and do so very, very quickly before this gets ugly. And it will get ugly if we don't step in. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He causes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even when I walk in the valley of darkness, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. You set a table before me in the presence of my adversaries. You anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. May only goodness and kindness pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord for length of days. Folks, we need to roll. We need to storm that cockpit. We need to shout and say no. This is not a free-for-all. You cannot just sit and do whatever you want indefinitely, no questions asked, and the full mix of what you want. Let out prisoners, meaning there's one thing if they did everything consistent with quarantine. They're dispersing the quarantine. More foreign workers. This is not about saving lives. This is a big lie. It's about saving lies. And we need to bust those lies up. So again, join us at Harwood Citizen Sanctuary. Let's try to get together. Share your ideas. What do you think we should be doing during this time of peril? What ideas should we be pushing for how to push back against the fascism and achieve the right balance of public safety for all health concerns? What we should be doing economically, obviously, and what we should be doing politically. This is a problem much bigger than any one of us, but as iron sharpens iron, we could sharpen each other with different ideas. Thanks for joining me. God bless y'all. Till tomorrow, this has been another episode of the CR Podcast. Mm-hmm.